Well, hello there, you smarty. This is Laura Camacho with the Speak Up podcast, and I welcome you to this episode. This is number 148, and today we are having an international edition. I am going to speak with Heather Hansen, and she is a, she calls herself global communication consultant. I want to explore the differences between being global and international. She's a TEDx speaker. So those of you who all admire the TEDx speakers, we're going to get to talk to one today. And she also does training and she's also written a book. And she helps international leaders show up, speak up, and inspire action in a changing world. And she, her focus is on unmuting. So Think about people being on mute and unmuting them. She wants every voice to be heard, to have greater inclusion, innovation, and efficiency. Uh, She does, like I do, she does uh, leadership coaching, and she also does training. And so that is going to be our guest for today. We have a lot of exciting topics to cover around leadership, around international business world. And even if you're in the middle of the country, even if you're in a local company, you're definitely affected by the international market and international market forces and trends. And you may even have employees from other countries, or you may be exporting. I mean, we are in a global world. So we're going to talk about that aspect of communication today. And before we talk to Heather, of course, I want to mention our sponsor, Mixonian Institute, founded in 2009. And Mixonian Institute is all about helping companies and leaders communicate better and develop healthier cultures. And a healthy culture is defined by me as a place where everyone feels heard and heard and valued and understood, or better stated, heard, understood, and valued. And that doesn't mean you have to always disagree. A lot of what I teach has to do with disagreeing without being disagreeable. There's all kinds of communication tips that can help you have better relationships, feel better about where you work, feel more appreciated, and get better results. For more information, you can go visit the website at Mixonian, M as in Mary, I-X-O-N-I-A-N.com. That's the website. And soon we have a book coming out called the the practical guide to effective communication, but that should be coming out in April, 2022. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in our speaker, Heather Hansen. So folks, Heather is joining us from Singapore. By the way, Heather, did you read the book Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin? I think it's Kevin Kwan. Did you read that book? I did. I did. And I watched the movie and I've been to most of the places in the movie, which is really fun. (laughs) That book has lit a fire under me. I want to go to Singapore mostly to eat because (laughs) he talks about the food. Oh, the food is so good. The food is so good. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And I I dragged my husband to the movie. He did not like it, but (laughs) it is a chick flick. It Uh, is. I I can't, you know, Kevin Kwan should get some award for putting a Singapore on the destination map for those of us who really liked his books. So you are super accomplished and we have a lot to talk about in a relatively short amount of time. But the first thing I have to know is what is a California girl who's grown up? Okay. That's not, no, please don't get upset. (laughs) She's a woman, but I'm th- I listened to the Beach Boys music Sunday, so that's still on my mind. So what are you, 
a woman from California doing in Singapore, for heaven's sakes? Tell us. Yeah, well, gosh, I left the States this year on the 4th of July, believe it or not. It will be my 20-year anniversary since I left America. Wow. Yeah, I've spent just about half of my life abroad. And when I left, it was, of course, as the story goes, to chase a man. I went to Denmark to be with my boyfriend and boyfriend became husband. So it all worked out really well. It could have ended very badly, but it worked out well. We're still together 20 years later. Um, And yeah, so I went to Denmark first. I was there for four years. Then we came out to Singapore with his work. I started my company here in 2007. And then we've been here ever since, except for a four-year break where we went back to Denmark. So we've done about eight years in Denmark, 12 years in Singapore. And my clients have been, yeah, really all over the world, starting here in Asia, all over Asia. Then when we went back to Europe, I kept a lot of them. We moved things online way back in 2014. Mm -hmm. A lot of clients kind of dropped off at that point. So I would travel back and forth. And then in 18, we came back and just picked up where we left off. So yeah, it's been a really fun journey. And it's a very interesting place to be from a communication standpoint. Really, really interesting because Singapore has four different official languages. So English is an official language here, but it's a very different kind of English than what we're used mm-hmm. to in the States, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. also have Mandarin, Tamil, an Indian language. Mandarin, Tamil, English. What's my fourth one? I'm blanking well, on the me, fourth language. Wow, yeah, it's 10 o'clock at night one. here. It's yes. bedtime. <laughs> yes. Heather is up past her bedtime for you I'm guys who are listening. Bed. So um, I'm going to pro- poker. Oh, it's in. Malay, of course. It's Malay. Malay. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, because Singapore was part of Malaysia. We were part of Malaysia. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's the actual official government story. language. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Uh, Singapore, that's a rags to riches story. You know, it is. I, what I understand is that Singapore was like the ugly stepchild of Malaysia and they separated and, you know, pulled their act together. Maybe not the same way the U.S. did, but a different path. And they're a global player today. Yeah, so it's an amazing um, story. Yes, it is. So, Heather, you are a global communication consultant. And I want to know if global is different from international. Like, what exactly does that mean? And what? how do you help people? And who do you help as that? And then we're going to go into your talk, TEDx talk. Sure. Yeah, in my mind, I think global and international are pretty, pretty similar. I use them interchangeably. But I think, you know, I think it's such an interesting question. Now you have me thinking about it. I think I shifted from saying international to global because I think of global as having a global mindset. So the way the world is changing and the way things are moving, you can be sitting in your living room in my little hometown in California working from home and the world is coming to you. So in a sense, we are all becoming global, even if you are not truly international in the in the sense that you are living abroad as I am, but the world's coming to you. And so I think developing a global mindset in all of our business is getting more important and having a certain level of adaptability cross-culturally and interpersonally is playing a big role now. 
So the people I'm helping, I mean, here in Singapore, because it's so global and international, both, uh, we have people from all over the world here and all teams are mixed teams. And we all use English as a lingua franca, this common language that binds us all together. So there are very specific communication challenges that happen here, but we're seeing these spreading across the globe, especially since the pandemic happened and remote work is happening. People are moving into different time zones, working from different places. So Yeah, the people that I'm working with primarily are higher level leaders and multinationals who have dispersed teams, who work in the region, have teams that are all over Southeast Asia and helping them to make those teams work well. And that comes down to all different kinds of training programs, presentation skills, articulation training, speaking clearly, which we might get into that a little Mm -hmm, bit. That's mm -hmm. what my TEDx is about. Okay. Um, Yeah. And, And so it's all different aspects of communication. Okay, very cool. Well, as I mentioned, Heather uh, is a TEDx speaker, and I always smile to myself when uh, clients will tell me, oh, I want to be a better presenter. And I'll say, oh, well, what did you have in mind? And then they'll say, they'll bring up, oh, I want to be like this TED talk. And I'll say, well, that's about 100 hours of rehearsal, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody just wakes up uh, one morning and extemporaneously gives this fabulous TED talk. But yours is called Two Billion Voices, How to Speak Bad English Perfectly, which I love that title because as I mentioned to you in a previous conversation, so many leaders who come to us, our English is their second language, but they speak Mm -hmm. it very well, but they still sense that they're not at the par that it's holding them back. And I always say, Mm -hmm. have you talked to a native speaker lately? So tell me, Tell me about your talk, how it developed, and then tell us about what is, you know, the, give us a peek behind the scenes. What mm. is it like? Probably some of you listening may want, or you're entertaining the idea of actually giving a TED talk, TEDx talk. So lay it on us. Well, it really came from the fact that we have a lot of linguistic bias in us. Mm -hmm. So the minute someone opens their mouth, we are judging, are they one of us or do they not belong? And we know that within seconds when we hear an accent that's different from ours. I mean, think about all the movies you watched in your lifetime, right? I mean, I grew up on Indiana Jones, all the bad guys are German there, you know, all of our big action films, they're Eastern European, they're German or they're British because we Mm -hmm. want to distance ourselves from the Brits Mm -hmm. as Americans, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. Hollywood Mm -hmm. films, all of the bad guys have accents in every single, even Disney films. I mean, they all have accents and if, and we don't really think about it, but then no. what happens when we, what happens when we grow up and we go into the, the office and somebody shows up with a foreign accent, we're going all the way back in our, our subconscious, right? About, okay, this is a foreigner. This person doesn't belong. Is this person a threat? And we did this all the way back as tribal people before our skin tones even changed and, mm-hmm. and became different from each other. We had dialects and language differences that we could hear the difference in the way that we communicated. And that was how we knew if there was a threat, if there was someone who didn't belong. And so the TEDx that I did, when I talk about speaking bad English perfectly, it it was based on the fact that so many people come to me saying, oh, I speak such bad English. My accent's so heavy. My accent's so bad. No one can understand me. And I'm going, I understand you just fine. Like who doesn't understand Uh, you, you know? (laughs) But the problem is they face this bias in the workplace. So there are studies that have shown that people are not being hired. They don't get the promotion simply because they speak in a different way. And people will say, oh, well, their communication skills 
skills aren't good enough. It's a skills gap, but often it is not. I mean, we even have studies that have shown judges will not grant parole based on accents that they hear. I mean, this is so deeply ingrained. And part of it is because in the judge's situation, their brains are getting tired when we're struggling Mm -hmm. to understand Mm -hmm. someone and we're focusing Mm -hmm. really hard. But this isn't just a native, non-native thing. I mean, I believe you're in South Carolina, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. And I mean, you don't have a strong Southern drawl, but that might come out in other situations or contexts. But I mean, if we go into the deep South and I have a friend from Alabama has a really gorgeous Southern drawl, right? Uh, I mean, really beautiful. beautiful Southern Belle style way of speaking. Well, she moved to New York to work in finance on Wall Street. And you can imagine... <laughs> how yes. she was treated. Oh, I mean, the men, yes. the men there called her Pollyanna. She was trying to be a part of conversation, serious work conversation. Like, yeah, yeah, Pollyanna, whatever. And this is happening within our country. It's not just a global thing. is isn't just native, non-native. We, we know when someone's from Long Island, we know when someone's from Boston, we know when someone's from the deep South, and we have very specific ideas in our minds and biases that jump up when we hear those people. And so really the TEDx is all about that. It's about conquering this linguistic bias that we have. And in my situation, I'm of course dealing with many international global people who speak English as a second language, but they speak it really, really well. And it's only only a native person with our bias that would say, oh, that they really speak bad English. You know, they're hard to understand. But a lot of times we aren't making any effort, right? To try to understand. We don't think that we have to meet them halfway. It's like, It's my language. You should be able to speak so I understand. But that's not really the way it works, especially when you start working in companies that have people from all over the world. Then you're going to have to meet them halfway, tune your ear to accents, learn how to communicate in a way that is simple and clear, or else you run into massive problems in the workplace. So that's why I say, if you can understand and you're understood, then you speak bad English perfectly because that's what it comes down to, right? It's connection, not perfection. It's, we need to connect and build relationships. Um, So, so that's, that's where it all started for me and where the, where the TEDx came into play. And I really didn't realize all this until I moved to Singapore and I was faced with a brand of, yeah, a brand of English that's so different. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand anyone for the first three months. And then, you know, you have to tune your ear. Right, Um, right, right. So that's where I kind of learned that. That's so interesting. And I love it. It's, um, so rich what you're telling me and it's bringing back i'm getting uh, flashbacks to being a non-native speaker in venezuela in germany and spain and i remember speaking spanish in spain doing something so simple as asking for a glass of water and them not understanding me and i know that i said it right but it was the accent was a Mm -hmm. little bit and then in venezuela it happened just over and Ugh. over again. It was this, because um, I, so I did hard. get a better accent, but some people would just say blonde, blue eyes cannot Spanish speak. Mm-hmm. And so it, mm-hmm. it's not just against people speaking English, everybody. Right. It happens. Right. No, it wherever. happens everywhere because everywhere. this is where I, and that's when I really realized it was when I was living in Denmark because I speak Danish fluently. I spent eight years there, married to a Dane, speak right. Danish at home, right. the whole nine yards. And the problem is that I walk into a shop and I look Danish as well. I'm much shorter than the average Dane. That's one thing. But my family's line is 
from Norway. So I, I have a lot oh, okay. of the features. When they see me, they assume I'm Danish. I open my mouth and I don't sound like them and they get completely confused. And it just throws them, even though I said it perfectly clearly, all the grammar was correct. The words were correct, but they didn't catch it. And they're like, they're just confused. They're just, wait, what? Sorry. And then they'll switch to English. And I just keep going in Danish. Cause I'm going, we're not good. My Danish is better than your English. Like we're not going to go there, you know, but it got so frustrating sitting in a meeting and then always having some comment about my pronunciation or something. And then I'd say, well, we can switch to English. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. Oh, we love your accent. It's so charming. And it's like, yeah, we're in a business meeting. I'm not trying to be charming, you know, like, why don't you respect me? Why don't you show me some respect for, you know, I'm sitting here sharing my ideas. And these are actually microaggressions, micro inequities. These are what people are dealing with every single day when they sound different, speak differently than the majority or the group that's in power, really. So depending on what language you're in and what country you're in, it it doesn't matter. This happens everywhere. It's not just Americans doing this, right? And we're not just doing it to foreigners because the reason why you don't hear a strong Southern accent, because I did used to have one and give me a couple glasses of wine and you'll hear it again. (laughs) But I, I, as a teenager, I caught on to that bias of Southern equals ignorant. And boy, yes. that was not going to hold me back. So I just auto, you know, did a little recalibration. And that mm-hmm. accent, when I mean, it's not that I sound like I'm from New York, but it, you no. don't hear a heavy Southern accent. But I so, think it's a little sad, though. I think it's sad yes. that people feel they have to do that, right? Yes, that, it is. Because you shouldn't have to. It's a part of your identity. It says where you're from. It says so much about you as a person and your culture. Right. And and But we do this to each other in the United States, you know, and you can just think of just any state that has a specific style of speech and you have an immediate reaction to what you think of those people. Right. Immediate. Right. And it's a shame because it's, it's part of what divides us of the us versus them. And, you know, I would argue we shouldn't have to change that. We shouldn't have to show up and change the way we speak. We should be instead becoming a little more aware of this linguistic bias because we don't talk about it. We talk about gender and sexuality Mm -hmm. and race, but we don't talk about language and accent and it it underpins everything Everything. in our communication. Exactly. So true. I was just putting together some slides for a workshop on inclusive communication and I I go over 16 common biases, but uh, linguistic bias is not there. I'm going to have to add it. You have to add it. Yes. yes. It's usually left off the list. We aren't talking mm-hmm. about it. People don't talk about it. They, because it's so deeply ingrained, we, right. we still haven't why. discovered it. You know, we haven't, right. we don't realize it, but when you think about the movies, that's when it really clicked for me. Or you think about those old cartoons that are really for adults, like the Simpsons, you know, they're, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. think of how are Indian characters portrayed, how are Asian characters portrayed in film? You know, they're usually like a humor. They're always a little off, a little silly, you know, and the Indians, you know, they always have very strong accents and they're also seen as dumber than the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very, very clear when you start to analyze what you grew up with and what you've seen and heard. Yes. And you're and you're triggering another grad school memory about the medium of video, television, movies. This is Mar- I'm going to quote Marshall McLuhan for all you Canadians where he said the the medium is the message. And if you yeah. think about it in video, the in the bat, there has to be a bad guy in the story mm-hmm. and the bad guy has to stand out visually and has to make you have to know immediately that he or she is the bad guy. 
Whereas in a book, you can be a lot more subtle and you don't have to rely on these shortcuts to identify the bad person in the movie. So uh, yeah, it also has true. to do with uh, the way our we use communication. And just like the way mm-hmm. Twitter has is largely successfully eliminating the art of conversation, mm-hmm. you know, these communication innovations bring us a lot of good things, but there's they come mm-hmm. at a cost. So I think yeah, that is that do. is the cost because visually mm-hmm. you have to use shortcuts in order to get your message across that you, quicker. But anyway, we will leave that because we want to be, we want to offer some practical tools for the leaders who are listening to our conversation here. And what would you say to someone who feels insecure about their accent, whether it's from Alabama or Mm. Malaysia or Bangalore, they, but they haven't received feedback. I always ask clients, have you received feedback? They haven't received negative feedback but they just have this feeling inside of them that that accent is holding them back. What, what would you say mm-hmm. to them? Well, I love that you have the same first question as me of, has anybody ever actually told you this? Have you received right. this feedback? Right. <laughs> and right. they usually say, well, no, not really. And, and that's yes. right where I start. <laughs> and I say, okay, so, so what makes you feel this way? Or what makes you think this mm-hmm. way? Can you give me mm-hmm. an example? And they'll often even struggle to do that. You know, that they'll struggle to show, show me an example. And through that whole conversation, we can usually break through to come to some understanding that, okay, maybe this is more in your mind than in your mouth. And mm-hmm. I, that's one of my most common sayings that I use with clients. Like this is in your mind and it's not in your mouth. This is a confidence issue. It is a self-worth issue. And you have to remember that you were hired for a reason. You are at that table for a reason. They want to hear your ideas. They would not have hired you if they didn't want you there. So we have to gain that confidence, but this is, this is a problem in our minds and not our mouths. It's not actually Mm -hmm. the accent at the same time. As I say that the hypocrisy of my work is that I know for a fact that there probably is some bias going on, that there are people in their company, their hiring manager, their boss, another leader who has maybe had an offhand comment somewhere in a group or responded negatively to someone else who spoke up. And then they developed this idea or this this feeling that I might not be good enough. And that's the problem because I sit here looking at how I wish the world was and how Mm -hmm. they shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to do anything Mm -hmm. differently. And yet I know at the same time, HR calls me and says, we can't understand and fix them. Right. Mm, Uh, Yes. And that is a very, very difficult for me. You know, I've basically built a very successful business off of a bias and that pains me in so many ways. And I think that's why I'm so wanting to speak up in TEDx and write books and everything else to say, you know, this actually isn't right. We shouldn't have to do this, but we are so far from changing that bias. We haven't even, like you said, we haven't discovered it yet. We haven't even discovered it. (laughs) So it's going to be way after my lifetime. So I have to help my clients to get where they need to get knowing that it's unfair and they shouldn't have to. Right. Oh, but there's so much, I mean, but I don't, it's really, really hard. We're going to. We're not going to change this overnight. We're never going to change this overnight. So we do still have to work on it. Yeah. So then it's about doing assessments. Yeah. Okay, you do assessments. Well, there's so many biases. You know, we're in. This is the way the world is at this moment, Mm. and we want to equip our clients to do the best. Exactly. You know, crafting better arguments 
to mm-hmm. present their case, more compelling reasons why they should yeah. get the green light. I think that mm-hmm. is the workaround so that they can't deny you no matter your accent. And and exactly. even I, I tell clients, I'm sure you would agree that even if you don't, you know, get the thing that you're asking for, you owe it to yourself and to what your team, your part of the company to give it the best argument to be the best attorney for mm-hmm. yourself and mm-hmm. for your people mm-hmm. and you know forget about the accent for now and just focus on crafting sound way of saying it yeah and absolutely absolutely and i think it also comes down to understanding the style of the person you're speaking with i know that authenticity is a really big buzzword. You know, we want to be authentic. We want to show up and be authentic. We don't want to change the way that we behave or act or dress or or whatever it is. (laughs) Yet in, in my, what I talk about in my book though, is authentic adaptability, because I think there is a difference. I think we can keep our values Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and as long as we maintain our values, the best way to get across a message to another person is to know exactly how to maybe change our behavior slightly, our communication style slightly, the way we show up slightly so that we can better match that person's expectation. And that's what we're doing with our speech, with our communication from a native, non-native accent, mm-hmm. accented perspective. It doesn't matter. You know, when I'm speaking to a global audience, I even change the way I speak. When I go back to California, people say I talk funny and I say, oh, why? Really? Because I speak, I speak clearly <laughs> now. I articulate my teas. I, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Um, but, but I do think that there is space to change our style. That isn't changing ourselves. We're still our, our, our authentic selves. We're just showing our best self for that context. And that takes a really high level of cultural awareness and interpersonal skills. And I think we're lacking that within the United States and globally because intercultural communication is interpersonal communication. We all have different filters and look at the U S I mean, from South Carolina to California, I mean, the cultures are extremely different and we we can't get tied up thinking that cross-cultural communication is nation-based or nation-linked. It actually is not. We have many kinds of culture, right? Even from the finance department to the HR, department, when you have a conversation, those are two cultures meeting and you need to know how to communicate in a way that the other understands. Finance person, make this people oriented. People person, HR, you may get on the numbers when you talk to the finance person. That doesn't mean you're being inauthentic. It means you're making it your message, something that's important to them. And that's the key right. to connect with being, them. Yes. You're being clever. I love your term, authentic adaptability. And yeah, we want authentic to be your best self, as you mentioned, yeah. because authentic can also be coming to work in your pajamas, which may feel very authentic, but it's not yeah. appropriate. <laughs> but that doesn't work, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think it it also allows for people to be jerks, you know, like, oh, yeah. well, I'm being my oh, authentic yeah. self, right? Like oh, it's so toxic. True. And I know you had, yes. you had an episode recently where you talked about toxic people. Oh, and yes. I think authenticity drives us a little bit like, well, this is me. Like, I, I'm just saying yes, what I mean, so you know, true. I'm being authentic. Yes. You know, and that it's like, no, I'm sorry. Your authenticity point. stops when you start infringing on like right. my personal right to be here and also be authentic, right? So it, right. it's well, and not yeah. to mention that we're all you know working to get a job done, and if you're quote yeah. unquote authentic, comes across as being a jerk, 
then you're you're not you're hindering and you're not helping. So you exactly. mentioned your book that authentic adaptability is that from your new book unmuted yes this is is from from unmuted it's from my my new book unmuted yeah yes tell us about Mm. i mean you've picked the the key word mute unmute to unmute yourself so tell me uh, tell us about your book yeah and the book really was the idea for the book was born there in the beginning of the pandemic when we all shifted online and suddenly i was hearing a million times a day you're on mute you're on mute yes. uh, and, and it kind of hit me though that you know we've been on mute long before the pandemic we've we've had people yeah. who have been muted in team meetings who have not been speaking up who haven't been sharing ideas And I wanted to really take a holistic view of this and say, you know what, it's not just a skills gap. I can throw as much presentation skills training at someone as I want, but if they are not a conscious communicator with cross-cultural skills and they're not in a safe environment and they don't have good relationships or connections and they don't have confidence, then it doesn't matter how much presentation skills training I give them, they're never going to succeed. And I'm just so frustrated as a training provider, having HR call me all the time, fix this person, fix that person. We need this kind of skills training and that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we're not looking at the real problem. We're treating the symptoms, but we're not looking at the real problem, which is the connections and relationships in the teams, how they are working together, how they're communicating together, and then how they are including others in the conversation. So Unmuted is really looking at three areas of conscious, confident, and connected communication. And how do we become all of those? Because if you're missing one, we have problems, right? If you're confident and well-connected, but you have no conscious cross-cultural right. skills, right. that person is too loud, right? We all know mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. The one who oh, dominates yeah. the entire meeting, interrupts everybody, cuts everyone off, <laughs> has all the great ideas. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you and then we that have- person too. You, you know that one, right? And, I, and I'm being very specific to say like that person, it could be male or female, but mm-hmm. that person, we all know that person. But then we also have people who are very conscious and very connected and they just aren't very confident and they speak a little too soft, right? They don't speak up as much as they should. And then we have the ones who are confident and conscious, but they're in a very toxic environment. They don't have any psychological safety and they're the ones that are on mute. So we need to have a very balanced team where in ourselves, we're conscious, confident and connected so that we can really unmute and give our full selves in these situations and, and really communicate well and collaborate and get things done and be innovative and inclusive. I mean, I think this is the heart of inclusivity is if we Absolutely. can learn how to communicate and include everyone's ideas. Um, we just have so much bias as well around, you know, think of like that too loud person who tends to be mm-hmm. very eloquent and they mm-hmm. walk in the yes. meeting and they raise their hand first. And then everybody at the table says, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he said, what he said, what he said, even though when you walked in the meeting, you had a totally different idea, but someone else said it, it was very eloquent. So you decide, mm, I'm going to go with that. But that, right, right. so we're losing so many ideas, right? We aren't hearing people's ideas. And I think that's why we've ended up where we are, to be honest. You know, look at the state of the world. We have yes, every problem imaginable. It's it's right. such a mess. It's just such it a mess. Such and <laughs> and I I truly believe, you know, there's this cannot be it. Like this cannot be human potential at its best. Like there has oh, got to be more. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. There's just got yes. to be more. But we need new ideas. We need new leadership. We need to hear new voices. We have to start doing things differently. And I think right. we're on that edge that awakening now where we're going to see a lot more people speaking up. At least that's what I hope. And that's what I hope to do with the book is inspire people to do that. 
yes you're no. it's so true that 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 overbearing personality is just has too much of a voice but <laughs> I don't want to get political but I am going to throw in this comment that also that's why like at least the United States we have these political leaders that have been there for 50 years like retire yeah. let's yeah. you know it's the same thing like changing of the may, guard you know yeah, we need some new get, ideas we need some new ideas so I hope that also well and the, you know, we're as we are recording this, the Ukraine mm-hmm. conflict is going on. I mean, how long has Putin been in power? How long, you know, yeah. Biden, the Republican Speaker of the House, Mitch McConnell. How I mean, these guys have been there forever. Go, let's let somebody mm-hmm. else speak up. But yeah, it, you know, in, in the business world, it's not you don't yeah. get tenure like they have, but it right, does feel right. like the same old people. But in a way, we do get the tenure, right? Because the longevity of people that get the next promotion is like they've just been there so long. They're promoted to the next level, promoted to the next level. And and that's a bit of a problem. I think we're going to see a major shift, though. We're seeing a major shift in leadership now. I think leaders know that they're going to have to lead in a very different way. They have to focus on relationships. They're going to need to show more vulnerability. People are no longer willing to stay in jobs and toxic environments. They're leaving. We know that. And unless leaders show up and connect with their people. Most people don't want to work just for a paycheck. They want a purpose and right. And they, they need that. And if they aren't going to find that and they don't find good connections and strong support at work, they'll, they'll leave. We have way too many right. options. It's way right. too easy. So true. We can all so go true. and become consultants. I mean, there, right. there is no reason to stay in a dead end corporate job anymore. So I think that's been the great awakening that we've seen through the pandemic yes. and why we're seeing yes. such a major shift. But I think it's also important to note, you know, with the too loud, too soft, that Mm -hmm. yes, we do know these people that we immediately we say, oh yeah, I know that person that's too loud. (laughs) I know the one that's, that's really shy and too soft, but Mm -hmm. I think we can also be all of these things at different times. So it's not that you, you're not always the same. Yes. So true. Depending on your context. You could easily become the dominant, too loud person who doesn't listen. Maybe you're that way in your family. But then when you go to work, maybe you're very different and you're suddenly very quiet and you aren't very confident in a professional sense. For me, when I speak Danish, oh my gosh, you wouldn't even recognize me. You know, I'm fluent, but I'll never raise my hand in the meeting. I don't want to stand up to speak. Oh, don't make me speak in Danish. You know, I'm hugely confident in English, right? but in Danish, I'm definitely too soft. I'm either too soft or I'm on mute almost always when I'm in Danish conversations, put me in English. And I definitely tend to be more on the too loud side. So it shifts, but then it depends on the context as well. And so it's about being really mindful, right? Of how am I balancing these areas right now in this context? How can I do better to be more inclusive, to turn down my volume if I need to, or turn it up if I need to, because it goes both ways. And so I can be fully unmuted and unmute the people around me. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to get at with this concept of unmuting. I love it. I love it. So Heather, I want to know, I want to, you know, I want to be practical, want to get to really specific. So I want to, I want you to speak to two situations that I'm sure you've yeah. seen. I've seen everybody's experienced these. Mm. So one is the, the, we'll call them the loud leader who truly believes that he or she must be loud or else nothing happens because people <laughs> just don't, people don't rise to the occasion. And unfortunately, and they the way they see it. It's just, you know, the way, the only way things get done. So 
I want you to give a little tip or maybe a mind shift suggestion for that person. And also the person who in certain, at certain meetings is the quiet, the, the Heather in a Danish speaking meeting, yeah. you know, how, <laughs> how can you, and they feel like everybody's talking, 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 and they can't get a word yeah. in. So I want you to speak yeah, to both yeah, of those yeah. people, which could be the same person, by the way. Could be the same. The per- yeah. It could be me depending on the context. Yeah. <laughs> what language is being spoken? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so speak to those like specifically how we can, we, if people listening, you and I, like, how can we be uh, better at this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First is just raising our awareness. So the first thing that I did when I wrote the book was I also created an unmuted assessment and that's free to anyone who would like to take it just to raise awareness and get an understanding of where, where am I? Could I maybe be too loud? I don't think I am, but could I be? Because these are all things that we don't see ourselves. So we need to get mm-hmm. the feedback from others. So really think about in those performance reviews, take the feedback seriously, ask questions, try to get better understanding of who you are and how you're behaving in these situations. Then when you're in the situation, <laughs> if you tend to be the one who is too loud, which I know I can be sometimes, then really focus on listening, pressing mute and being an active listener, turning off all of those, the mental thoughts, all the things you're thinking about. Oh, I know the answer to that. Oh, I know the solution. You're trying to fix every problem before they even get the problem out of their mouth. You've already got the solution for it. Right. Right, I mean, uh, and I'm guilty as charged. Right. I mean, I think very quickly, I hear someone talking, I want to fix it. Oh, I know what to do. Do this. Right. We have to stop that and allow people to finish their sentences to really, (laughs) you know, share their ideas And this is the hardest part because the person who's too loud often doesn't realize they're doing it. And so Mm. it needs to be brought to their attention. And when that is the leader, it's the CEO, it's the head of the department or the business unit, that's where it gets difficult because it Mm -hmm. takes some politics and some good, honest conversations with HR perhaps, or a higher level leader to bring this to their attention. And it could be offering them coaching around career, around executive coaching, leadership coaching, and maybe it's bringing someone external in to show them how their behavior is affecting others, because sometimes it's not easy to do internally. This is why we need external consultants to come in right, um, right. to, to kind of hold up the mirror and say, actually, right. you know, uh, and that's what a lot of my clients say. Oh, well, could you please just tell him that, you know, right. <laughs> he's yeah, doing this so and true. that and the other. And then when it comes from me, it's okay. If it comes from a colleague, it's not okay. So sometimes it's about so true. setting up the right situation, but For this loudspeaker, it normally is that they're lacking the conscious communication piece. So it's about Mm -hmm. learning how to listen actively, being a lot more conscious of the energy in the room. If -hmm. people are speaking more quietly, then you also speak more quietly. If they're moving slower, you also move slower. It's mirroring and matching. It's fitting into that context and then giving people space. Also making sure that you're asking the quieter ones to speak up, you know, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, I've, I've talked for a bit now. Why don't, what do you think, mm-hmm. you know, Joe, like right. we haven't heard from right. you. What's, what's your, do you agree? You know, bring other people in. That's, that's what we have to do is the louder, more dominant, um, fast thinking person who could not on purpose, but could be stepping on people. Right. Right. And, um, and yeah, that that's but that is a tough one. Now on the other side, right, our our softer speaker, our mm-hmm. the one that has turned down the volume, isn't so confident. They're usually quite conscious and connected, 
and supported and supported people really do sit there going, come on, like, tell us, we really want to know. (laughs) Yeah. And for them, it really is an imposter syndrome confidence issue. It could be a skills gap. It could be, maybe they feel like, I just don't know how to put a message together. I'm just not a good speaker. I just don't know how to do it. Then training coaching could help them. But very often, even when people think it's a skills gap, there's always something underneath. And right. it's really about them. Um, and I've written, I've given them some tools in my book about, you know, what is the self-talk that you have? And it's very mm-hmm. similar to how you ask your client, you know, have you mm-hmm. received that feedback? What is the proof right. of that self-talk? Right. Is right. there no right. proof? Then let's uh, reframe this because right. you saying that this and this is true. No, you know that, right. oh, I'm not a good speaker. Who told you that? Like your parents right. when you were five, like who, who told you that? Right. <laughs> and, in a court of law. Yeah. So let's turn that around and say, I am, I can be a confident speaker when I'm fully prepared, right? Even if it's that little baby step and then prepare yourself and go in with more confidence. It takes time to build confidence, but this is something that's completely outside of communication. It's, it's self-worth and that's, that's working on that level, right? I love what you're saying. And then really for some people having more consciousness and for other people having more confidence and assessing, Mm. but I do think the reason why this is so hard, one another reason, I mean, this is all yeah. very hard work to change yourself, to reprogram your thinking, extremely hard. And we're all operating under time pressure. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is more in our minds than real, but it's always going to be easier status quo. It's always going to be easier to do it the way you've been doing it. And I know yeah. that's why a lot of the louder people, they just feel like it's so much faster just to say it exactly. and move on. But it's it's a short term short term thinking. It's not long term mm. uh, thinking. So exactly. this is all super interesting. And I want to. We're getting close to the end of our time. So I, I have one statement that you have written, and I want you to tell, explain, elucidate mm. us. Is elucidate a word? I think illuminate <laughs> us. I think elucidate is a word. Oh uh, yeah, I why, got it. <laughs> why See, bad English. It's fine. <laughs> That's why I'm like, what? You need more vocabulary? No, you don't. You just need to use the vocabulary that you have. Yeah, exactly. What communications is not a skills problem solved by more training, mm. but at the core of who we are, the company cultures we make. So what do you mean by that? Because if it's not a communication skills problem, why are we teaching them communication skills? Yeah. And that's what I was pointing to earlier is it's not always a presentation skills problem or an assertiveness or negotiation skills. It it's so much bigger than that. You know, we, we just want to dump training budgets and train, 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 skills, gap, skills, gap, skills, gap. Yeah. And it is just treating the symptoms. You know, what we're, when we're communicating, it's about human connection. And that's so much more than just knowing how to write a good email or knowing how to give a presentation. It's so much deeper than that. It's about understanding these little cultural nuances. It's about reading the room, feeling the energy. It's about knowing who we are, first of all, what our values are. So many people say, you know, I want to be authentic. Well, do you even know who you are? Do you know what you stand for? Um, You know, being authentic is is much more than just diversity label. It's who you are as a person. So I think many of us are, don't even know what that is. And then how do you connect with someone authentically? If you're not even sure what your values and and reason and purpose for being here is. And so 
that's where we start in the book is that idea of who are you and answering that question, because you can't start connecting and truly communicating with people and build a collaborative environment until you've mastered yourself knowledge. Right. So um, true. So, true. so, so and that's, I think what I mean when I'm saying, you know, don't just keep spending these huge, I mean, I, it's fine. I'm making a ton of money doing communication <laughs> skills training, you know, keep it coming, just dump it on me. But I, it gets so frustrating because I don't see the change happen because mm-hmm. it's not the real problem. And so right. we have to look at this, the bigger picture. We've got to look mm-hmm. at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do think based on what you're saying in my experience, it does point to how coaching is more effective at the individual level because you get into those things. And it's always funny to me that, you know, a coaching client comes for, you know, presenting with confidence. And then Mm -hmm. 20 minutes later, we're talking about, uh, you know, why they feel like they shouldn't be speaking up or they have. Yeah. Their teacher in the ninth grade who said something and made them feel so small and they've never gotten over it. And it's like, why didn't you tell me that four sessions ago? Because now I can deal with you, you know, (laughs) now we got to what the problem is. But that's never going to come up in a training, but trainings, I think if, if they're in, they're done right. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I think the best fruit of a training are the conversations that happen through the exercises where people get to speak up, but that's Mm -hmm. in a, in a training within a company and it only works under certain circumstances because if the toxic boss is there, arms crossed, snarling at people, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, how many times have you run a training course where they say, oh, but I don't think my boss would like that. And it's like, well, then why are we here? Because, you know, I'm trying to help you, but they know, and I know that when they take all the skills I've just imparted on them Mm -hmm. and they go back into the workplace the next day and they try to use them, they are not going to get positive feedback using them. So, right. What, what are we doing? Right. We, right. we have to change that environment. We have to look at the relationships and everything else in order to make that training really successful. And then training can be a huge, huge help. And it gives everyone oh, a common vocabulary. Sure. And I mean, right. there's so much that's good, but if we haven't addressed the other issues, it's really a waste of the company's time and money. So there, it's just, we need to look at things more holistically. I think. Yeah. I totally agree. It's just that that requires more time. I think and more that's work. the Mm-hmm. More work too. Yes. Yep. Well, this is this has been so interesting, Heather. I really appreciate your sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, tell. Let's close. I want you to tell the people, tell our audience. They're all very handsome, beautiful, super smart people listening to us. Tell them where they can get this assessment because maybe they can, even at an individual level, without flying you from. Singapore to Austin, (laughs) Texas, for example, they can get some insight on where they need to move as a leader to be more effective in their communication. So just uh, speak to how somebody might be able to use this assessment just on their Mm -hmm. own and where they can get it and where they can find you. Yes. Well, you can find the assessment and all the free resources in the book at heatherhanson.com slash unmuted. And that is where you can download the free resources. Now, of course, the free resources work best when you have the book next to them. So you'll want to pick up a copy of the book and it's going to be in all of the bookstores. It's coming out in May in the States. Hard copy, you can get Kindle from next week, but the hard copy will be there in May. 
And when you do the assessment, it's going to show you your levels of conscious, connected, and confident communication. And then you'll receive a full report directly to your email that will show you which areas of the book to concentrate on based on the results that you got. So that's where you can then go to the book. And then once you're in the book, at the end of each chapter, you can follow a QR code to go to a video that has a self-reflection and discussion guide as well. So you can use that with your team. You could use it for self-reflection, but there's so much. I really created the book to be a learning journey and experience that that groups could do on their own. Uh, they're very welcome to bring me in as well. And everything is virtual these days. So I don't mind speaking for Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. but there's a lot. I've really tried to make this as, as full of a program as possible. So they can work on this within their teams, share the vocabulary, and then also apply the implementation guide to the, the organization to create a larger unmuted culture. But you can find out all of those details at heatherhansoncom slash unmuted and uh, order the book online or find it in the bookstores come May. Awesome. So the book is called Unmuted. And uh, I, I had one like major massive Oh yeah, this thought to, to to close on. So if you listening to this have an accent, whether it's you're from mm-hmm. Alabama or South Carolina or Singapore or any place, and you feel like that accent is holding you back, I don't think it's the accent, and it's certainly not the accent alone. There are other there are other factors at play, some of which you cannot control. Like I could not control that people where I was in Venezuela, assumed that a blue-eyed blonde woman mm-hmm. could speak Spanish. And even today, it's just, you know, you talk about being underestimated. When people hear I speak Spanish, it's like, what? You <laughs> speak Spanish? And I'm like, do I look dumb or what? You yeah, know, like, yeah. So, you know, that's the reality. So it's up to us to take the reins and to step up mm-hmm. our game and to just bowl them over, beat them up with great arguments and good connections. And that's what, that's what this is all about is uh, making the best of the situations that we're facing and really coming out ahead by putting in the work. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately I haven't figured out a way to do that without putting in the work. So if you know that, let me know. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Heather. And I will see everybody on the next episode. Bye-bye.